Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Today we hear Jesus telling a parable to the multitudes. And in this parable, he likens the kingdom of God to a man who planted good seed. But while the men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares, weeds, into this, into this field. And when the master is asked about whether they should go weed it out, he says no, because in gathering the weeds, you're going to uproot the wheat along with it. So instead, let them grow together until the harvest and then sort it out. The context of this parable is interesting. Here at the beginning of Matthew chapter 13, it starts off not with this parable, but by Jesus telling the parable of the sower. And perhaps from that title, you might think it's the same one, but that's this parable instead where the seed spread all around. Let's hear it. And he, Jesus, told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. It's reasonably likely that these parables were told at different times. And that Matthew put them together because of their similar sowing themes. As we know, the gospel writers were not detached historical writers in the sense we usually have today. They told a larger story by the way that they organized their memories. And we furthermore know in part that one of the very reasons we can trust the stories that they tell is because the different gospel writers don't really fully agree about everything. We all know that when people make up a story, they get their facts straight so that they tell the exact same story. But that's not the way real eyewitness testimony works. In fact, real eyewitness testimony tends to differ in such details. Was the perpetrator wearing a red shirt or a gray one, etc.? Anyway, interestingly, we get an explanation of today's parable of the wheat and the tares from Jesus himself. Because the disciples go and ask him the, the meaning of that away from the crowd, and Jesus answers, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, I guess no need for the rest of my sermon or any further exegetical work because we have it right there from the mouth of Jesus what this parable means. So we could just stop, finish up mass, and go grab some lunch. Maybe not so fast. Yes, of course, what Jesus has to say is the primary meaning of this parable. But when we look at it only that way, it's easy to turn it into a parable where we identify with one of the two sides. 
we like to think of ourselves as the wheat if we have everything going right in our lives today and are waiting the holy angels to come and harvest us up into heaven. Or if we don't have everything going the way we want, we fear we might be the tares and worry that those angels are coming to gather us up and throw us into the fire. But in these parables, the one of the sower and the one of the wheat and the tares, I think they're not only parables about various kinds of people in the world who we can identify with, those who are good soil or bad or who are wheat or who are tares. But I think each parable is also a reflection of ourselves in whole. What do I mean? Well, when we look at these parables, we should see in our own selves good soil and bad soil. We have rocky places we need to break up and plow, thorns we need to trim away so that they can become rich and fertile soil for a harvest of many, many fold more. When we examine ourselves, we should not see ourselves as wheat or as tares, but as having both within our hearts, minds, and body. We even can hear this in Jesus' explanation if we reflect carefully on his words. Jesus says the reaping angels will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin. And of course, in this fallen world, we have causes of sin within us. And I'd like to remind you that the Orthodox have a much broader view of sin than you have likely come across if you're from any other Christian tradition. Sin, of course, we know the word in Greek is hamartia. It means missing the mark. And that means anything, anything that misses the mark of being in the likeness and image of God, being created to be what we were created to be. Sin can be our physical ailments. It's our mental ailments. It's even when we're not responsible for those things, there's still sin. And this is alien to most other Christian traditions who view sin in a very narrow way as something we're guilty for. And yes, there's plenty of sin we're guilty for. But the good news is that with repentance, God offers forgiveness of our sins. He's covered them up with his blood and freed us completely from sin. Not just those that we're responsible for and are in need of forgiveness and absolution, but for all those that are in need of healing that we're not responsible for. Jesus, God, comes to put everything right, everything, and fully restore it to the very good it was when he rested on the seventh day from all the work he'd done creating it. However, we need to be making sure that our soil is rich and ready for growing and maintaining good wheat for the harvest. We need to pray. We need to love our neighbor through charity of time, talent, and treasure. We need to fast so that we don't burn that wheat by over-fertilizing it. We need to break up the rocks by working on our besetting sins that trap us again and again. And we need to plow the softer ground by watching over our eyes, our ears, our hands, our feet, and our nose. If you've ever heard of extreme unction, sometimes called the last rites, although it can be applied at other times, I put a holy oil on the eyes saying, whatever sin you've done by looking, may it be done away. The ears by hearing, the nose by excessive smelling, the lips by idle or lawless speech, the hands by touching, the feet by carrying us to unlawful activities. Here at church, we occupy all those senses with good things our sight with ceremony, our hearing with words and song, our smell with incense, our hands and feet with pious movement. We must strive to do the same as we leave this building so that we can nourish the wheat in our bodies and souls and choke out the tares. But there's more. After the first parable of the sower, when the disciples come to him, at first he doesn't explain the parable. And instead he merely answers about why 
he speaks in parables. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to us in parables or speak to them in parables? And he answers them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. A few notes at this point. Some want to say that Jesus is saying that they're not allowed to know, or they don't have the right to an explanation. But the passage Jesus quotes from Isaiah gives a clear rebuttal to that perspective. And let's first note that that passage has a chiastic structure. That's a structure that's layered like an onion. If you look at it again, it goes heart, ears, eyes, eyes, ears, heart. That's its structure, and that's called a chiastic structure. And when you see one of these in the Bible, it's the middle is the main point. And all that other stuff is focusing you toward that center, the core of that onion. And what is said there is that their eyes, they have closed lest they should see. In other words, all they need to do is open their eyes. And if they did, then the rest would follow. They would hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and, and repent and Jesus would heal them. So we see by these parables and presumably the others that don't get a specific explanation by Jesus, that while they do have a deeper spiritual meaning, they're not like some sort of riddle that needs extensive contemplation. They're nothing like, the more you take, the more you leave behind, what am I? That might have gone by fast. The more you take, the more you leave behind, what am I? Anybody? That's pretty hard to figure out, probably. Footsteps, maybe, who will, anybody got better? Somebody had another one? <laughs> yeah, that's probably true, too. So anyway, I figured there were some other creative answers out there. But nevertheless, you have to really think about it, right? It's not, that's not a parable, right? You heard the parable when we read it, and it's like, it's pretty, you would have come up with the same, if I'd asked you, what does this mean? You would have come up with the same explanation pretty easily, right? Um, it would have been pretty close to what Jesus said. So, um, frankly, I think the point of Matthew, including Jesus' explanations here, is to, to make it obvious to us that these are not some sort of deep prophecy of end times that we should be debating years on end. The parables are, are really straightforward. We just have to open up our eyes and read them with a, with a, a clear heart. And I'm, in fact, I'm sure without Jesus, like I said, without Jesus explaining, you would come up with a similar explanation. That's good news because it means your eyes are open. It means that you are blessed, that you have seeing what those many prophets and righteous people have longed to see and did not see. You heard it and when they didn't. And it also means, as Isaiah said, that you're ready to be turned. And I believe that's why this passage is here, because we are before, we know it, 
about to be in the season of turning, of repenting, that's Lent. And we will hear even more urgent and concerning words from Jesus as we approach the Lenten season. And although Lent can seem an onerous task to some, as we heard from Isaiah, when we turn, the Lord is willing and ready to heal us. Repentance is not something to fear. We should not be paralyzed with guilt and shame over our sins. That's the work of the devil. That's the work of the devil planting tares in amongst the wheat of our souls that are trying to cover up the good stuff. In time, all will be made manifest because that's the work of our good and loving God. Because by making it all open, all plain, we can really perceive it. For those who are ready and have their eyes open, it will lead to forgiveness and healing. So today, listen also to the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Colossians and put on, he said, and put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. So the Lord's forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the way to give the right sun to your wheat. It's the way to till the soul, the soil of your soul. And finally, I want to mention those tears one last time. Even in the context of Jesus thinking of the wheat and the tares as something within us, we can take Jesus's words to heart to let the two grow up together lest we ruin the wheat. That isn't to mean that we should think nothing of our sins, certainly not, it's serious business. We need to avoid being our own enemy and an enemy of God by planting more tares in our soul. We need to avoid promoting the growth of the tares we already have. But in the case of most sin, the best medicine, the best pesticide for it is to not go and try to tear, tear it up, pun intended. No, it's instead to truly ignore it. One of the worst things we can often do is try to directly engage in our temptations. Instead, we need to go do something else. We need to get away. And the best things we can do to get away from it is to do the things that St. Paul said. The best thing we can do is give our senses other things that feed the wheat rather than the tares. When we do that, the tares will take care of themselves and be so short in our souls that reaping our rich harvest of wheat will be easy for the angels. So today, find truth and peace by opening your eyes, your minds, your ears, your hearts to God and to your neighbor. Be firm and steadfast in what we believe, unafraid to let evil grow up amongst us, and feel confident that in time, the Lord will indeed sort it out. However, we must also be vigilant lest we sleep and the enemy come and sow more weeds in our souls. Yes, maybe there are a few young and tender weeds you can pluck out before they grow, but don't try to dig up what's already firmly rooted in you lest you hurt yourself or your neighbor in the process. Instead, focus on the good stuff. Fill your eyes, your ears, your nose with the beauty and love of the Lord, open and willing to accept more of his truth. Amen. Talks at Advent homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent 
a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.